Well, I let you find your seats. I want to uh, tell everybody that, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 40 years old right now, and I really expected uh, this time of my life to have discovered more buried treasures than I have, uh, I, which is a grand total of zero. I, I don't know what you were expecting in your adult life, but uh, based on the cartoons I was watching in my childhood and the number of, like, newspaper, you know, headlines about a pirate's treasure, I just thought eventually I would live on a piece of property with, like, a pile, a bucket of gold in the backyard, and it's just ready to be discovered. Am I, am I alone in the fact that I just haven't found any buried treasure anywhere? Anybody else? I just thought there would be more by, by now. Um, we're we're going to have a little talk about treasures today. If you have your Bibles and you're going to follow along in your Bible, uh, I would invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and this idea of just treasures, I, I, I remember as a child, I was about four years old, um, I, my family, uh, they got a big pile of dirt uh, dumped in the backyard. Now, I'm sure as an adult now, the purpose of that dirt was to like level out a low spot to get rid of a mud hole, something really like tangible and, you know, increasing the value of the house. But at, at four or five years old, you know what it was for? It was for that Tonka truck that I've been just like, it, it had tetanus written on the side of the Tonka truck. I don't know if you remember those, but it was like a serrated rusty edge on the side of every Tonka truck in the late eighties. And so we had this big pile of dirt and, you know, I drive the truck through it. I had the whole thing happening. And uh, then after I've got good and dirty and I've had enough fun with that, I, I decided to do what every four or five year old does, which is to dig a hole in the dirt and then to dig another hole. And then what do you do with two holes in the dirt? You know, you build a tunnel and you go through them. So now I've got a tunnel. I've got this Tonka truck going through the tunnel. I am living my best life. Again, I don't know what the actual dirt was purchased for, but I had a great time. And probably, I don't know, an hour into that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I start thinking about buried treasure. Like I, my entire world is telling me that having buried treasure and having a map is, that's just the way to, you know, invest in the future. I don't, I don't know what I, what I was going to do with it, but I decided I'm going to bury some treasure in this dirt. And so I go inside and I find my most prized possession. The thing that seemed to be the most valuable, which I think might have been some Mardi Gras beads with like a little coin on it. I'm not sure what, like a little plastic coin. And I, uh, I, found, it, I found one of those holes and I buried it in the dirt and I put it over it and I got my paper out and I'm drawing. I drew my house and I drew a tree. I drew a whole map for it and I thought this is cool because this is what the pirates do. And so I go in the house and I decide I'm going to, before I invite my friends to do it, I'm going to go find my treasure. I'm going to pretend I don't know where it's at. I'm going to follow my map, right? And so I follow my map. I go around the tree the same way that I drew that I would. And then I, I make my way to the dirt pile. I'm like, oh, it's here somewhere. And for the next six hours, I think I dug and that treasure was gone, y'all. Like, I, I don't know if I just drew a bad map I don't know if like one of those worms from that, you know, Kevin Bacon movie came up and got it. I don't know what happened, but my, my prized treasure that was so valuable to, valuable to me just, just vanished. And uh, to this day, I just really expected I would find more buried treasure and it just hasn't happened. I, I like to think that in the future uh, from that moment, some kid just discovered like this 1980s Mardi Gras coin in his backyard, uh, but it wasn't me. Today, uh, we're going to talk about about treasures. Jesus had something he wanted to talk about treasures, but why will we talk about treasures? It's because uh, we are on a quest, church, to do some really hard things. Uh, we're on a quest to tell our hearts the truth when our hearts are so quick to tell us lies. You have in you the capacity to deceive yourself, and so do I. It's not, it's not me wagging my finger. It's like we, just humanity, we want to tell ourselves that things are okay when they're not. We want to tell ourselves that we're right when we're not. 
what? And, and it's just everybody's inclination. And so we have to be skilled at at least attempting to uh, decipher the truth and unravel that. If I uh, ask you right now, if I got, if I got, if I got uh, Russia and Ukraine in here, somebody from both of them, like, which one of you guys is right? They're both going to tell me they're right. If, if I asked uh, you and your bully from high school to both get right here and like, which one of you is right? Both of you, maybe your bully's grown a little bit, but we all know your bully hasn't and they're, they're still living as if they're 14 years old. Uh, they would both tell you that you, you would say, no, you, what you did was wrong. And they're like, no, what I did was right. Because we want to tell ourselves that we're good when we're not. We're very skilled at giving ourselves false good. And when in reality, the Lord wants to show us true good. Jesus said in John chapter eight, we looked at this last week, John chapter eight, verses 31 through 32, Jesus said to them, if you abide in my word, which is what we're doing as a church, we're opening God's word and we're looking at it. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, the problem with our heart is that it gives us false truth that doesn't lead to freedom. It promises freedom, but it doesn't lead to freedom. Um, what if the Lord has something that's a little hard, a little uncomfortable that he wants to address in us? A little, like, what if, what if the Lord wants to say, Jesse, I think you're a little greedy right there. I would say, ooh, that's uncomfortable. I don't like that. But that's real truth. And Jesus, because he's good, and we're just saying he has good plans for me, uh, he's trying to lead me to truth because truth is going to lead me to real freedom. And so as we've worked through this, we, we've just said, okay, well, if we're really good at lying to ourselves, we need to find some lie detectors. And we've discovered two so far. The first is our words. The words that come out of our mouth reveal to us the truth that's in our heart. Why do I know that? Because Jesus told us that. And he said, he said out, of the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I need to monitor my words. Whenever I'm, I'm quick in anger and something falls out of my mouth, I need to address the, the heart. It's going to tell me the truth about the heart. And then for a couple of weeks uh, after that, we looked at our actions, our behaviors, the things that we do, the things that we're a part of. And if you're like me, uh, both our words and our actions, we have two things going on inside of us. Sometimes we're proud of our words. Sometimes we're proud of our actions. Sometimes we're proud of our heart. And anybody else besides me is like, sometimes I just wish that one didn't come out of my mouth. Sometimes I wish I didn't do that thing. And so we looked at last week, Paul said, you know, Christian, you have two natures alive in you. You have your flesh you have your spirit, and they're kind of at war with each other. Um, we want to encourage uh, the ways of the Lord. We want to encourage the spirit. Why are we going to talk about treasures today? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, here's how Jesus starts. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy uh, and where uh, thieves break in and steal. He, he begins with, hey, don't lay up for yourself treasures. Um, he, he, we're going to talk about treasures, but like, what, what, is, what do you think Jesus has in mind when he says treasure? What are some treasures uh, that come to mind? What's one kind of treasure? Non-rhetorical question. Somebody yell it out. Treasure. So what is it? Material things, great. Uh, maybe maybe some some Benjamins, right? Some some greenbacks. Like e immediately, when I think of treasures, I think of some money. You know, I need some money in my wallet. I need I need some money. Jesus is going to have something that he wants to say about money. You and I, we we think of odd things about money. I, I don't know. I don't know where everybody is. I, I I know I know. I've heard this phrase a lot. If only I had more more money, I, I would have less less problems. Um, 
it's weird, uh, but that's not true. Uh, and there's science and there's like history to prove that. Um, the, the percentage of people, it's like, it's like over 50% of people who win the lottery file for bankruptcy just a few years later. Like, can you believe that? You win the mega millions, Powerball Deluxe, I don't know what it's called. Uh, you got all the numbers right. You get billion dollars. You get $500 million. And the chances of you filing bankruptcy in the next five to 10 years is pretty high. Uh, because why? Because the problem was never really money. It was something else. We, we think that if we have more money, we, we would have less problems. But the money doesn't change who we really are on the inside. Who we are starts to steer that money into where it goes. They did a study uh, of millionaires. I, I don't know a ton of millionaires. If I do, they're really secret. They don't want to know. They don't want me to know that they're millionaires. Uh, but they've done a study of millionaires. They surveyed 10,000 millionaires. And it's like, hey, what kind of person are you? Where'd you get your money? Like, how'd you earn all of that? And uh, it's fascinating to look at. It's like like 75% or like uh, my parents didn't leave me anything for an inheritance. We grew up poor. 75% of these 10,000 millionaires are like, I just started saving money and working and investing and, you know, not going into debt. It was kind of their, their plan. They looked at the careers. Like what are the, what careers are these people in? 10,000 people that are millionaires. I have the top five listed right here. You guys want to play a little family feud real quick? Uh, what, do, what do you think? What kind of career do you think is a millionaire? Real estate didn't make the list, not in the top five. Dentist didn't make the list. What else? Construction worker, engineer is number one. I'll give you credit. So engineer gets number one on that. Uh, I heard somebody say dentist. Uh, if you think doctor, if you think surgeon, no medical person made it in the top five on, on this. Why? Because most of them have incredible amounts of debt for school loans. Uh, anybody else want to throw one out? I can just give you the list. Yes, that is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Fun. Thank you for that. Oh, man. Uh, I was, a, uh, this is not in the sermon at all. Uh, the guy who officiated my wedding, Steve Hunter, Ashley is a witness to this. I was a youth pastor at the time, and he begins my wedding sermon with, do you know what a youth pastor and a large pepperoni pizza have in common? And everybody's like, this isn't the time for that, Steve. <laughs> and then he says, well, they both struggled to feed a family of four. And then he begins... <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, no, no, not youth pastor. Number two is accountant. That makes sense, right? An accountant, they're good with numbers. They're a bunch of nerds. Uh, they, can, they can make money. Number three, the number three career on the list of 10,000 millionaires, get this, teacher. Teachers, education, teacher. You're like, what? All the teachers are like, you got to be kidding me. But who do you trust with your kids more than yourself? I trust teachers like almost more than anybody. You know, like, they're, they're responsible. They think ahead. They work tirelessly. They don't have time to spend the money is what it really boils down to. Uh, teacher. Uh, number four says management. I don't know like how high of management that is. And number five is attorney. You would think a lawyer, probably like a really boring lawyer uh, uh, making money. We... We think that if we had more money, we'd have less problems, but the list of careers are really boring careers. Um, I used to, as a social worker, I would do this thing called a home study uh, to see if a family was you know, qualified and appropriate to foster and or adopt a child. And in there is a large section of like just reviewing the finances with a family. And I just want to tell you, like I've done... It must be over a hundred home studies, at least interviews of that level. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you right now, the houses that are the biggest are filled with people that are the brokest. 
Uh, and, and that's not always true. Some of you are like, well, that's not true of me. That's great. Uh, but I'm just saying, by and large, you can't actually look at people. One of the wealthiest families I ever did a home study for lived in like a double wide mobile home. He had seven figures in the bank, in investments and everything. Like they had a lot of money and just like, I don't know, uh, just, I just save, I just go. Um, money, the scripture, scripture talks a lot about money. I just want to look at one passage real quick with you, just because it's not the only treasure, but here's, here's, here's the things that money's not going to solve everything. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves, loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. That's a, uh, Solomon's way of saying useless. This is useless. You, you, if you, if your heart is telling you, all you need is more money, and you're going to be so satisfied. The, the, the history of America, the history of God's word, and just about everybody you can think of has given you an example that your heart's lying in that moment. More money doesn't solve all of our problems. But that's, that's not the only treasure we have. I wonder, uh, we, could, we could probably make a long list of treasures, I think that uh, just three big buckets of treasures uh, that may be something you want to reflect on if, if you're into meditating and kind of praying through our sermons. I, I just think our three treasures are money. I think that we have time, and I think that we have attention. We have these three treasures that we can we can point them in directions and we can invest them in ways, but we all have them um, to do something with. We think of things about time, like if only I had more time. This one, I, I, I tell myself this all the time. If only I had more time, I'll be I'll be working like a, a 55, 60 hour week. And you know what? You know, I'm thinking to myself, if only I had 10 more hours, I would get it all done. And it's just not true because uh, if if you work and you're just out there and you get to choose your own hours, just tell me if I'm wrong. There's more work than there is you to go at it. You just you just can't. There's not a there's there's more time doesn't solve it all. A few passages that look at time. Uh, Psalm chapter ninety verse twelve says this. Psalm chapter ninety verse twelve says, "So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom." You want your heart to start stop lying to you. Uh, ask God to teach you to number your days, parents. You have have 18 Christmases with your child until they're gone. Doesn't that, does that change? Like when you put a number like that on it, 18 Christmases and then your child's probably moved off. Unless they're like Gen Z, then you got like 22, 23 Christmases. But it, it, it's a small number. You've got, you've got 18 more summers. You got, I, I saw someone listed. I was like, all the parents like, okay, if your kid is in middle school right now, you've got eight more summers until they're just moved off. Eight more spring breaks, eight more winter breaks. It's just like, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to hear that. Any parent in here is like, I really want to hear more of that. Please keep preaching. But Jesus, you know, the, uh, the psalmist says, you know, teach us to number our days, number how finite we are, how small our time is. And, and you know what, what happens when a thing becomes scarce, becomes precious how precious that time is. And if, if the Lord would help you number the days and you stop thinking in terms of, I'm infinite, I will have forever, I will get to that next year, um, you'll get a heart of wisdom. Proverbs, the book on wisdom, Proverbs 27 verse 1 says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Don't, don't, don't boast. Don't brag. Don't think you've got it in the bank. Oh, man, next week is going to be so good. Just... Take it if you get it. 
Thank God for it. But we all lived through COVID. Oh my gosh. It was a, a year-long spring break. Your kids were at home. They, went, they came home from school for spring break, and then they didn't go back to school for another year. That was the longest spring break ever because why we, we, we think we know what the future holds, but we don't. Our, our, we are fragile. The world is so far out of our control, and as soon as we realize that, we are in more control. I guess not in more control. We're just in more wisdom. Last, last passage I'll look at for this is Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the, the time. The, uh, Paul, as he writes Colossians, he, he's reflecting like time is finite. And as, as you look around, like be looking outside of like this church, be looking outside of your family and walk in wisdom towards them. Be kind to those who are out there, uh, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the time is finite and it's scarce. I, I think you and I, uh, we have three big buckets of treasures that we want to reflect on. And that's going to be money and time. And the third is attention. Next week's sermon is all about attention, but we're going to look at just treasures in general, going back to Matthew chapter six. Look with me in Matthew chapter six. Let's see what, where Jesus goes with this whole mindset on treasures. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I said it earlier that this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. In this section, chapter 6, really, of the Sermon on the Mount, I, I have a note at the top of my uh, Bible just to remind me of what I think this section is really driving at, and that is to make repentance public and to make righteousness private. Um, we, we have a habit, uh, just, I, I, I'm going to say as Americans, but this was written to a non-American audience, but I, I just see it in myself that I really want to show off how good I am for God and just like let you guys know, uh, the instinct to pray really eloquent, eloquent, elegant, it could be either one, uh, elegant prayers to, to, to look all put together. Um, and it, it's, it's an instinct that I have, but I, I need you to know that I'm a fragile person in need of God's grace. I'm in need of Jesus' work on the cross daily, um, and I, I'm going to be honest with you about it. I want I want uh, to take the Sermon on the Mount seriously. I want to make my repentance public, my flaws public, and if I'm doing anything to, that is to glorify God, that's between me and Him. I do it quietly. And so when he gets to the section about treasures, he's like, you know, here's some good advice for you. Don't invest your treasures, don't lay up your treasures in spaces that they're going to rot. They're not going to get any good done. Instead, lay up your treasures where like rust can't get to it, moth can't get to it, no thief can get to it. Lay up your treasures, invest your treasures in the eternal. You can, you can invest your treasures in fun. You can invest your treasures in finite, small things, and you'll see it fizzle away. But if you invest your money, your time, and your attention in the eternal, it will never rust. It will never be stolen. It will be an investment that lasts for eternity. And so the beginning of these two verses, 19 and 20s, is kind of inviting me and you to think like, okay, where have I been investing these things? Where have I been putting my time and my money and my, my, my attention? Where have I been putting my treasures? Verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's a lie detector for you. Um, your heart's going to tell you what you want to believe is the most important things in your life. 
But your bank account will tell you what you really believe the most important things are in your life. Your treasures will tell you where your heart was, your, your time. Where have you spent the last 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours? Where, where, where was that time? And are you okay with that? Are you proud of that? Um, where has your attention been uh, for the last week, two weeks, a month? Uh, and are you okay with that? And are you proud with that? Because your money, your time, and your attention, my money, my time, my attention will tell me where my heart has been. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this verse is a super helpful verse. I, th- I think about this verse at least two or three times a month. Like it just comes up with like how I think through what am I supposed to do about something. Uh, it, it has two effects. Um, one is it's diagnostic. It can tell you where your heart has been. Um, it will tell you the truth about where your heart's been, even though your heart is saying, no, no, it's, it's, really, it's really over here. I'm really focused on my family. But then my clock and my calendar are saying, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I'm not showing up to the, to the, to the practices or, or what have you. It's going to tell me where my heart really was. Um, so it's diagnostic. It's also, um, it's also a tool. It's persuasive for you. If for any reason, in any category, you come to a place and you're just looking in the mirror like, I'm not really proud of that. Uh, if I had to be honest, just between me and the Lord, I don't like what my heart did right there. You can steer your heart in a different direction by pointing your treasures in that direction. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your treasure will tell you where your heart was, and your treasure will force your heart to go in another direction. If you don't believe me, start giving money to the politician that you dislike the most, and I bet you will find a good argument for voting for him or her or whatever next next the next election cycle. Um, it it changes your direction when when your kids come home and they've got to they've got to sell some candy. And you're thinking, oh man, I've got to buy this box of candy. It's like, golly, I just, I don't know. Well, we'll just throw some money at it. But then they say something like, yeah, but if I sell this much candy, I get the pizza party and I'm like king of the school. I'm like, it's time to do something. It's like, we're rallying the troops. We're going to, we're going to put a booth out at the end of the road. Why? Because, because there's something about our heart and our treasures that are so tied together that when we see the connection, we are incredibly powerful and sober minded people. You want to be wise? Look at what your treasures are doing. If you want to be good, point your treasures to good things. Point your treasures, Jesus would say, to eternal things. Point your treasure towards things that are going to make a lasting impact on your family, on those around you, on your church, on, on ministries that you care about. Let's, let's keep going. Verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So he's moving straight from treasures to like focus and what your attention is on. And that sounds like well, that, he's just changed gears. But I really think that he sees a connection between what he says here. And uh, we'll look at next week. and We'll talk more about the eye. But like where your treasures are, your eye is kind of watching, right? Um, lay your, if you don't believe me, lay your wallet down on the table when you go to lunch later. And then just walk away and see how many times you glance back to see if that wallet stays. Like your, your eye is going to like, it's going to watch where your treasure is. And he says, 
if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your focus is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if your focus is bad, your attention is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? With an exclamation point. Uh, Jesus is, is getting kind of rhetorical here is that if, if the thing that is supposed to be a source of light is just throwing darkness and it's just, it's wicked, um, how great would that be? When I was a kid, one of my favorite books was a Dr. Seuss book. It was, um, I forgot the name of it. It was like a, it was a cat in a hat, but he had like a, like a puzzle. It was like a maze on one side and you had to figure it out and like a riddle and this other one. And he had this thing. He's like, why is there a flashlight, not a flash dark? And there was this picture of him in a lit room, the cat in the hat in a lit room. And he has a flashlight and he hits it and everything it hits turns to a shadow. And it's like, oh, that's really ridiculous. And even as a kid, I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. But Jesus is kind of making the same picture right here. If, if your heart is full of darkness, it's causing a lot of darkness. It's, it's spreading. It's cast out. How great is that darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You either, uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The overwhelming uh, teaching of money and treasures in general in scripture is that they are a tool that you should master. But when they become a master over you, they are a horrible slave uh, uh, owner. I don't, what, what, I don't know. I forgot. What, uh, master, slave master. That when, when you are steered by your bank account, you're miserable. When debt is stacked up, and all you do is work just to keep the man off of your back, it's saddening. It's a weight. It's a pressure. It's a terrible, terrible master. But if you get, if you get control of your treasures, not just money, but your time and your attention, you get control of that, and you use those to accomplish eternally good things, um, they make amazing tools. You, you may not make a lot of money compared to like your neighbor or someone in the city nearby or someone you're sitting nearby. Um, compared to the rest of the world, you're all kings and queens. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. I don't, I don't care how much debt you have. You, you live, me, you and I, we live like royalty here compared to the rest of the world. And yet we lose sight of it because we look at money so focused on the money that that it becomes a master over us. But then, but then you have people that, you know, they're, they're, they're very, very modest in their income, and yet they give so freely, and they're lighthearted, and they're just, they're just joyful. And um, I just think that there's a better way. I think there's a better way than letting our treasures rule us, and then we use them instead as tools. We rule them, and we invest them in the future. Um, I say this as a kid, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, it's, it, I had a, I had a weird childhood. Sometimes I was an only child. Sometimes I'm like one of eight. It's like, it just depends on what day you catch me. Um, there were, there were entire like seasons of my childhood that we're like shopping at the dent can store and we're going to like the day old bread store. Like I know how to find a good loaf of bread in the day old bread store. And I don't even know where a day old bread store is today. Like, I don't know if that's still around, but I remember legitimately like, no, this is the good bread. Don't get that one. That's a two day old loaf of bread. You know, you don't want that one. And, and, you know, life, you know, I, I just didn't know I was broke. I didn't know I was poor. Um, life is, is like that. And yet today I could get so 
overwhelmed by thinking of my treasures and my money. And your Lord Jesus does not want you to be controlled by something so small and so fickle as that. He says that he's your Lord and he's a better Lord than that. His plans for you are good. And I don't care if you don't have two nickels to rub together. You can use your treasures for eternal good to invest in the future. Famously, a man by the name of Al Capone, one of uh, America's uh, top, maybe one of America's first mobsters, uh, he, he, was, uh, he was not a great guy. I don't know if you know this. I was, I was watching a documentary about him uh, just a few weeks ago. It was just like, even in school, he was kind of a mobster. Like before mobstering was a thing, he was just like racketeering other kids in school and he's like exchanging lunch money and doing things. He had a, a whole gang of people that would just, you know, you needed protection from him. Like he, he did that kind of stuff in grade school. Uh, fast forward, famous mobster in Chicago. He is known for racketeering. He's known for like he put out hits on people he 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 smuggled illegal alcohol like he had a whole conglomerate of criminal enterprises and yet they could not catch him on anything this guy was squeaky clean every time they put a charge on him they couldn't catch him and many of you probably know how they caught him if you don't know uh they looked at his treasures they looked at his finances, and it turns out, oh, squeaky clean, Al Capone was a terrible bookkeeper and just didn't lie about the tax, didn't pay taxes. He owed over a quarter million in taxes, y'all, in the 1930s, 1920s. That's a lot of money today. I don't even know what that is back then, like a quarter million dollars in 1930 money. And they caught him, and they said, we can't prove murder, and we can't prove that one, and that other thing you're doing, we know you're doing, and everybody knows you're doing, we can't prove, but you know what we can't? Can prove. Your treasures are going in the wrong direction, and we find you guilty. It was sentenced to 11 years in Alcatraz. Like, this is like a movie script. They put the, the most famous mobster in the most famous prison, and they got him on tax evasion because his treasures were telling the truth about his heart, and he was a wicked, rotten scoundrel, and they caught him. It is not uncommon when we come face-to-face -face with the truth of God's Word that we're both uh, um, freed from that and equally convicted of that. That's one of the things that happen. And our instinct and our heart's instinct is to shy away from the conviction and say, no, it's okay. It whispers to you and say, just don't deal with it right now. We'll get to it later. And your heart will just numb you to where you forget it. I would invite you, as, as we did last week and the week before, if there's anything that your heart is doing that you're not proud of, then to repent of that. As we close, uh, as we reflect on our treasures, next week we'll get to attention and focus. I, I just, I would invite you to meditate on this, is that you, you already invest your treasures, your time, your money, your attention in the things that matter most to your heart. That is a fact. That's what you've been doing your whole life. If you're not satisfied with that direction, if you wish that it was doing something else, then invest them into eternal things and your heart will follow. I want, I want to be, I want to be a better dad and I want to spend more time with my family. Okay. Then I need to invest my attention on my family. I need to invest my clock and my calendar on my family and I need to invest my money on my family. 
Uh, I work I work so that I provide for my family. I think that, that is a noble thing, and most men would say that. Most most men are like, you know what? My, my family, I, just, I wish it was doing better, but I work this hard for my family, to provide for my family. And I would just invite you to maybe sit down with your spouse or your kids and be like, do you... What do you need more of right now? Do you need more money? Do you need more me? Invest more time. I, w- I, want, to, I want my kids to succeed. Okay, then I need to invest my time, my attention, and my money in that thing that I want them to succeed in. I want my church to thrive and reach the community. Then I need to invest my time, attention, and money into this church. And you're like, oh, there it is. See, because the, the pastor's talking about money at church. And, you know, uh, let, me, let me tell you something. Uh, Frosty Frenzy is not free. And it's because of the people who've invested their time, their attention, their money into Carpenter's Way that we have 75 people volunteering to invite 2,000 people into our church so that we can love them and maybe hug some and, and get to know them. It is an investment from the last 12 months that has caused that to happen, and it's, it's already happened. Um, if you want to do more in your community, if you want to see Jesus magnified in your community, if you want what's written on that sign to become a reality in Mid-County as it is in heaven, then I would invite you to invest your time, your attention, and your money into the things that the Lord is doing in Mid-County. And see what he can do in your neighborhood. See what he can do for your friends. See what he can do for your kid's teacher who's probably just burned out right now and didn't know that they're third in line to become millionaires. Like they just, somebody needs to go tell them that right now because they're just, they're struggling, okay? Uh, just, just be there for people. And don't let your heart tell you you need more time. You don't need more time. We all have 24 hours. Don't, tell, don't let your heart think that you need more money. People who win the lottery go bankrupt faster than people who don't. Uh, don't tell your, 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 don't let your heart tell you that you need more attention. Oh, I just, I, I'm torn in so many ways. We all have finite resources. Start telling your heart, no, I'm choosing to invest it this way because my Jesus is commanding me to. My Jesus is guiding me in that direction. What you may find is that what your Lord Jesus wants you to invest your time, your attention, and your money in is something super unique that you haven't even considered yet. But in the quiet space of you praying to your Lord, you just, you feel that guiding. You're like, okay. I would invite you to be obedient to that. Let me pray for us uh, as we close out. Uh, I hope to see everybody uh, this evening either helping out or just roaming around with some kids. Uh, It is going to be a lot of fun. Um, And I'm I'm thankful for so many of you who have invested to make Frosty Frenzy possible. It is is a long list of names and people. Um, It is going going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So I hope you can make it. Pray with me. Father, uh, we thank you, Lord, for... um, we thank you for challenging words. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you, you've given us some some maps for our heart uh, to tell our heart what to do. Um, Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to um, be introspective enough to kind of look around in there, poke around in there. Lord, if there's any wickedness in us, as, as your scripture says, um, if there's anything in our heart that is not of you, Lord, uh, you have permission to kind of point it out to us. Uh, to remove it, uh, or to uh, call us to repentance on that. I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage to be obedient to you and that we would be free as, as we again, uh, again move forward into Christmas. Um, I pray that our hearts are whole and um, uh, uh, happy and full of joy. I, I pray that we have... Uh, we have a glimpse of what you're doing, uh, not just in us, uh, but also in our families and in our community. And so um, as we reflect on the coming of the King, 
uh, help us to, to honor him well and to reflect him in this community. We love you. Pray this in his name. Amen.